Alrighty, let's get straight into the Word. Uh, it's not a full long message as normal. It's a little bit of a shorter one. And then we will partake in communion directly at the end of that. So I've, I've given the following title to what I'm sharing. There won't be any uh, lyrics, uh, not lyrics, there won't be any uh, title and points on the screen. We're just gonna keep it a little bit more sharing informally. Uh, I've called this Keeping the Cross Central. Let that thing sink in for a moment. Keeping the Cross Central. Please say that with me. Keeping the Cross Central. How many of you agree it is very important that the cross of Calvary remains completely center focus in our hearts and in our lives? What about the rest of you? Come on, how many of you agree it's got to be central, central, central in our lives? Please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. It's the only scripture that I'll ask you to look at today. Please remember to bring your Bible to church. It is muy importante. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 to 5. So here we have Paul, the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church at Corinth. And this is what he says in verse 1 to 5. Paul said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech. That's interesting. Or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. There it is right there, keeping the cross central. Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. This is the bold apostle Paul. He says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Everyone say power. power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. I wonder how many people have their faith in the wisdom of men. Should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Please keep this open as we share for the next few minutes. A few things I'd like to share, four aspects I'd like to bring across. Number one, you don't need, to, you don't need fancy words to share your faith. Just tell what God has done. You don't need fancy words to share your faith. Just tell what God has done. Now look at verse one. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Take note, he was declaring the testimony of God. He was teaching about the word. He was declaring the testimony. He was declaring the mysteries of God. But he wasn't doing it in some sort of a fancy, impressive way that people ended up saying, what a great orator. No, no, no. The focus was not on Paul, but the power of the message. And Paul's basically saying, listen, I didn't have all the fancy words. I didn't have a slick sermon. I didn't have a slick PowerPoint presentation. But what I did do is I spoke to you as the people of God about Jesus. The risen, resurrected Jesus that makes all the difference in our lives. And he truly transforms us. That's what I was talking to you about. 
I think sometimes we shy away from speaking to other people about the things of the Lord because we feel, well, maybe we don't know enough of the Bible out of our heads to be able to quote it. So I'm not gonna say anything to this person because I can't remember the details of all of those scriptures or, or you know, maybe there's other reasons and you think, well, I'm not that great at theology and so I possibly can't, you know, I'll let the pastor speak to people about God and so on, but I'm not gonna do that because I just don't have the excellence of speech. Don't let that lie hold you back. Simply tell people what God has done in your life. Don't try to get into theological things and talking about eschatology, soteriology, all of these things. And just, just talk simply. Just talk simply of what the Lord has done in your life. Maybe it's something as simple as this. Well, you know, seven years ago, I gave my life to the Lord and I can honestly say, I've never searched again. I have peace in my heart. It can be something simple like that. Something simple like saying, I have peace in my heart. And I sleep better because I know God has met the deepest need, which is relationship with him. That's not getting theological. That's just sharing from your heart. Think about the people that you come into contact with at work. Many of you work in large corporate companies and maybe you have a cafeteria downstairs or canteen cafe and, and you would often spend time with some of your colleagues in a lunch break or whatever it might be and you're in the canteen together and there's an opportunity to, to chat and oftentimes you spend a lot of time with these people, lunch break after lunch break after lunch break, but somehow you'll never open your mouth because you think, well, I'm not a theologian, I don't have all the fancy words. You don't need to have the fancy words. You can just begin to open your mouth and say what God means to you. And probably that'll be far more effective than trying any fancy things. Just tell them what God means to you. Years ago, shortly after completing my degree in theology, I remember I was on a plane in America and I was sitting next to somebody, a bit of an older gentleman next to me, and I'd heard these stories of pastors speaking at conferences because they're in airplanes all the time. And so they often tell people, well, I witnessed to this guy on the plane. And I don't know, their testimonies all seem to be like, wow, and lights, and the oak just immediately prayed and everything. Anyhow, so here is uh, Johnny, 22 years of age, just finishing my theology degree. I'm on the plane, and I start talking to this guy, and I think I know a bit about theology, so I start talking to him. I took a little bit of a theological approach, which was a big mistake, and it ended up being an utterly useful theological debate. It was useless. It was a waste of time. No ground was really covered in that. And by the way, eventually, this guy, he had the gift of the gab. I was ready to now start eating my little meal. You know those little meals? You've got the butter and the bun and the little thing. Anyhow, that's just me. I enjoy airplane meal. And so, yeah, I'm ready just to carry on. And this guy wouldn't dry up. And he was from another religion. And he just stopped talking and talking and talking and talking. And I thought, John, you took the wrong approach. I should have just told him what Jesus means to me. And I should have just told him of the blessing that I experienced because Jesus has come into my life. So you don't need fancy words to share your faith. Just tell people what God has done. Secondly, this is very important. Keep the cross of Jesus Christ central throughout your lifetime. I wanna say that again. 
Keep the cross of Jesus Christ central throughout your lifetime. Some people have kept it central for a certain part of their life and then they've gotten into things which have confused them and gotten them off track. Keep it central. Look at verse two, it says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Would you agree Paul was a focused man? And essentially, Paul was saying that his determined purposes, this is what he's gonna do. He's gonna keep the cross central in his life. That is what is gonna happen. That's how he's gonna live his life. Maybe that's why Paul's life was so powerful that he even wrote two-thirds of the New Testament because he got a hold of the cross and he never let go. And from the cross flows every grace and blessing and every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. It all comes from the cross. I wanna tell you this, at times during your Christian walk, there will come times where you are exposed to different emphases, different focuses in terms of the word of God, and, and uh, it might be a kingdom focus or a discipleship focus, it might be a word of faith focus, it might be a grace focus, and, and different things like that, and, and that's no problem, there's diversity in the body, and, and some people have a particular focus here and there, but through all, through all of it, I wanna say to you, never allow your attention to be turned away from Calvary, never ever allow that child of God, you gotta hear this. Don't get caught up with fables and winds of doctrine and all sorts of crazy stuff. And also to say this, that if you will remain focused on the cross, it is likely that you will never get caught up into false doctrine. And we are seeing, the Bible says that in the end days, there will be a lot of false doctrine and all sorts of crazy beliefs. The Bible even says that people will give themselves to what is called the doctrine of demons. As I looked that up, that means that these ideas, which are false ideas, are not even generated by man, but they're generated by demons who are demonizing people, and they try to get people to think in line with these demonic doctrines. They are doctrines of demons. This shows me that it's not a nice to have little thing of focusing on the cross. It's absolutely essential in this day and in this age, amen? It says in Ephesians 4, verse 15 to 14 to 15, it says, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into all things into Christ who is the head. What's it saying here? Don't be tossed about by these fads, by these weird and wonderful teachings that tend to come out, and you think, oh, well, this is the way. Don't be tossed around by those things. Let your faith be rock solid in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's gotta be, it's gotta be rock solid. I wanna make this statement. I think this is powerful. The cross of Calvary is enough. Come on, the cross of Calvary is enough. You do not need to add anything to the cross of Calvary. God's work of salvation is complete. 
And what flows from the cross of Calvary is everything that you need for life and godliness. And you are blessed with every spiritual blessing as a result of the cross. But some people seem to think the cross is not enough. I don't get it. Some people think, well, they want the cross plus the Old Testament observing of rituals and so on. Some people say they want the cross plus they want the prosperity gospel. Some people say they want the cross plus they want the ancestors. Some people say they want the cross plus they want the circumcision. The Apostle Paul was not confused about these things and neither should you and I be confused about these things. For the Apostle Paul, it was very clear. He wanted the cross and nothing else. The cross and nothing else. The cross and nothing else. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I wanna ask you, have you already settled this in your heart that it will be the cross of Calvary? Amen. Tell the person next to you, it's got to be the cross. Tell them that. It's got to be the cross. I watched a music video a couple of years ago, and it was of the passion event in America. Louis Giglio, Chris Tomlin, David Crowder, those guys. It was a massive stadium event. I don't know how many people. It must have been at least 15 to 20,000 young people because passion focuses on students. And the stage was in the center. This place was completely packed. There was great praise and worship going. It was a powerful moment. But you know what blessed me is right at the center on the stage was nothing short of a gigantic cross, a gigantic boxed white cross. I don't know how many meters it was. It must have been, I don't know, 18 to 20 meters high, huge, and the arms of the cross going out. And I was really blessed by this because I thought, this was about a couple of years ago, I thought, isn't it wonderful that all these young people are being discipled to keep the main thing the main thing, and here they must have put a lot of money into getting that cross set up, but it was important because it's about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The younger generation more than ever needs the cross, the cross, the cross, and to look to the cross of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, I'd like to say that God still uses weak vessels to accomplish his purpose. <laughs> How many of you can say, well, I actually feel pretty weak. <laughs> Thanks for the honesty of the 11, the 11 of you. <laughs> the rest of you can come confess down the frontier afterwards. <laughs> God still uses weak people to accomplish his purpose. Listen, in verse three, look at verse three, it says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. The message puts it the following way. It says, Paul speaking, I felt totally inadequate. I was scared to death, if you want to know the truth of it. Now, what is astounding for me is this is, this is the great apostle Paul, if I can put it this way. A man who was so mightily used of God, and actually, at the end of the day, he was just a weak vessel like me and like you. You've got to get it. You've got to understand this. Let me tell you, some of you are waiting until there's no weakness in your life, and then you say, okay, God, now I will step out and use you. Don't, uh, uh, let me be used. Don't wait for that. I've discovered that God 
He wants to use us even when we are feeling weak because you know, then the power of Christ shines through us and everybody knows you don't get the credit as the vessel, but the power of God, God himself gets the credit because it's done through his power and to his glory. Some of you need to stop waiting for those little fears and concerns and, and you need to just say, God, even with these, uh, you know, if butterflies in my tummy, I'll do it anyway. I'll say yes anyway. I'll be available in any case. And if you give him your weakness, then he will let his power shine through you. I'm aware of people who are fearful to pray. They don't wanna pray in front of their wife. They don't wanna pray in front of their husband because they're fearful. I wanna challenge you. Start to pray in front of your spouse. Some people are petrified to pray in their life group, in their small group meeting. I wanna challenge you. You begin to open your mouth and God will fill it. You watch. Don't be like Moses who said, no, I can't do it. I can't lead these people. I've got a speech impediment. I've got a struggle. I've got a setback. Just say, God, if you say I can do it, I come into agreement with your word, and so speak through me, work through me, have your way through me. If I had to wait for my, my fears and, and uh, inadequacies to have been done away with, I would have never gone into the ministry. God uses weak people to fulfill his purposes, and then he gets all the glory. Can we just give God the glory, how he gets the glory in all of this? He will not share his glory with any man. So just because you feel weak doesn't mean God can use you, can't use you, sorry. It actually means you are a more likely candidate. Praise God. He uses the weak things of the world, the foolish things, the despised things to confound the wise. Just the last thing I wanna touch on, listen to this. Real faith, is demonstrated by the Holy Spirit's power being at work in our lives. Real faith is demonstrated by the Holy Spirit's power being at work in our lives. Now, for the last time, just look at that passage, verse four and five of 1 Corinthians two. It says, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. Take note of human wisdom but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. That's a very important phrase. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. Is your faith in the wisdom of men? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I believe that some churchgoers, they put their faith in the wisdom of men. So here's the choice, faith in the wisdom of men or faith in the power of God. Think about it. Faith in the wisdom of men, faith in the power of God. What will your choice be? Paul is saying that some people put their faith in the wisdom of men. And some churchgoers, they, they do this and their faith is in the religious structure that they're a part of. Their faith is literally in the religious denomination. They say, well, it's been around for 600 years, so my faith is in that. 
Their faith is in the liturgy. Their faith is in the robes. Their faith is in the stained glass windows. Their faith is in the form of godliness, but there is no power of God. And it is not okay. Who in the world ever thought that that would be okay? Let your faith not be in the wisdom of men. But God wants us to have our faith firmly in the power of God. And you know what? Paul understood this. Because he was a guy, he was passionately killing Christians, persecuting Christians, and then he met the living Christ, fell off his donkey, and God did a whole conversion experience. And then after that, all he wanted to do was talk about the grace of God and the kingdom of God and the power of God unto salvation. Yeah, I will not be ashamed of the power of God, of salvation. God is gonna do amazing things. Paul was basically saying that. And so he was a person who was basically testifying, listen, my life has been changed. Some people are still wanting a form of godliness. They think that if there are little smells and things like that in the service, that is all that they need. Now I wanna tell you, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. That vapor that might come out of those things is perhaps just symbolic of the presence of God, and that's what you and I need. We need the presence of God. Can anybody get hungry for the presence of God this morning? Amen. And so Paul here, he wasn't presenting some theological paper or thesis. He was simply a man whose life was touched by God. And he was demonstrating this. And so I wanna say in line with this, May I encourage you to not be focused on the wisdom of men, but be focused on the power of God and the life of the Spirit of God living in you and through you, because after all, the Spirit of God was placed with inside of you, and that proximity to your very innermost being should change the way you are and cause the power of God to be evident in your life. Say no to the form of godliness which denies the power and say yes to the power of God in your life. Come on, say yes, say amen. amen. Say yes. Thank you, Lord. I wrote you, some theologians are passive and have no fire. It amazes me, here in our country, we have certain theologians heading up uh, academic institutions in our country. Some of them are great people, wonderful people, but some of them are so dead, there is nothing of the fire of God burning in them, and yet they are the theologians, the, the ones that are supposed to know God so well. Theology, after all, ology, study of theo, God, the study of God, they're supposed to know God so well, but yet their wood is wet, the fire can't get going. And here now, they are calling into question fundamentals in the Word of God, I'm saying something is wrong. I don't care what those religious minds say. I care what the Word of God says. I care what the Apostle Paul says, where I came in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power, not with some thesis that I brought to you. I came in demonstration of that. But I think of some of these theologians, something is missing, but let me tell you, if God truly grips your heart, you will be spiritually alive and the power of the risen Christ resides inside you, amen? amen? My dad used to say the following about these learned people. 
And he used to say, some of them have too many degrees, but no temperature. <laughs> Isn't that true? You can be educated beyond your intellect. I don't know, maybe that's true. But hear, hear, hear this as I'm drawing to a close. I wrote this down. Let the power of God's spirit flow through your life and my life. I wanna challenge some people. You've gotten lukewarm during this time of COVID. I challenge you. I pray that you would get such a holy dissatisfaction of bobbing and weaving and seeing God as the fifth wheel and that you would begin to see him as the very steering wheel directing your life. I'm talking to people here, listen to me. And now you're thinking of the person that's next to you and how they should be listening. No, I'm talking to you, sir. I'm talking to you, ma'am. Shake off those things of indifference. Shake off things that have held you back and determine as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. Determine as for me, it will be Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now you go ahead and give the Lord a hand of praise, amen. Jesus Christ and him crucified. God's talking to us. And I believe also next Sunday when we have Sean Foyt with us, I believe that God is gonna use that to ignite people's hearts. Be ready for what God is doing at this point in time. Even though there is chaos in the nation and in the nations, God says, I will arise upon you and my glory will be seen upon my people. Hallelujah. Lord, we wanna keep the cross central. How many of you say that's your heart's desire? I wanna keep the cross central. Wonderful. We're gonna go into communion right now. And I'd like to ask that we just watch just a brief video, it's just one minute long, just to prepare our hearts in this brief moment for communion. Let's let this play, please. says in Matthew 26, verse 26 to 28, in the Living Bible, as they were eating, Jesus took a, took a small loaf of bread and blessed it and broke it apart and gave it to his disciples and said, take it and eat it for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks for it and gave it to them and said, each one of you drink of it. Listen to this, for this is my blood 
sealing the new covenant. Oh, that's powerful. This is my blood sealing the new covenant. It is poured out to forgive the sins of multitudes. Lord, we lift up the bread right now. As we lift up the bread, we know this speaks of the body of Jesus Christ. As we break this, we remind ourselves of what you went through on the cross because of your great love for us. The body of the Lord broken for you. Now, Heavenly Father, it's with great joy that we lift up the cup. Lord, I just wanna say, I'm personally grateful to partake in communion today. I believe everybody listening right now, you're grateful as well. And so, Father, we just come before you and just say anything that we've said or done lately that hasn't been right, we, we're sorry for that, Lord. We confess that, thank you that you forgive and cleanse. Thank you that we are righteous in Jesus. We thank you that there's nothing like the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lord shed for you. May I invite you just to close your eyes for a few moments. just fade that music out. I just want to sing a song. It's a song I knew from when I was young. I thank you, Jesus, for your grace for me. I thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. I lift my voice to praise your name. Praise you again and again. You're my everything. You are my Lord. If you know it, you can sing it with me. I thank you, Jesus, for your love for me, for your love for me. I thank you, Jesus, for your grace so free, for your grace so free. I lift my voice. I lift my voice. To praise your name, praise you again and again, praise you again and again, you're my everything, you're my everything, you are my Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we've had such a blessed time together in your name. Thank you that we go into this week in victory with the cross of Calvary Central. In Jesus' name, and we all say, amen. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have a wonderful day.